and welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Megapod here on the lines, thelines.com. Matt Brown, Steven Anders, Adam Candy, and oh my God, where did the weeks go? Guys, I mean, here we are. I remember us sitting here wide-eyed and bushy-tailed in August, sitting here talking about preseason bets, any futures we wanted to make. Are we going to lock up our money for seven to eight months? And instead, here we are, just a few days from it all going down, Adam, I, you know, we make fun of some of the bad football that we saw this year. We made fun of some of the low scoring we saw this year. After March Madness, about mid-April, we'll, we'll, we'll be praying for a, we'll be praying for one of these uh, ten to ten to six games. Uh, first of all, my tail's plenty bushy, sir. You speak for yourself. <laughs> but when we look at 2020 and the pandemic, and remember how we were jonesing for anything. NASCAR didn't matter. Just put something live sporting on my television. I learned to never again get upset at the idea of watching Vikings Raiders for six nothing for three hours. It's okay. I'll take all of it. Absolutely. Russian ping pong. I was getting up uh, sweating uh, Korean baseball KBO. Like I had all that going on like during during the pandemic. Steven, you know we we look at this and of course we'll we'll still. This is the end of our football coverage. We're, we still bet the draft pretty heavily. We'll have, obviously, some draft videos and everything as soon as those odds start coming up on the sports books and whatnot. But, man, it's like, it, you know, this is the, the end of the football season. It's always kind of a bittersweet feeling. I mean, we have gotten through, you know, all of these weeks, through the playoffs, all this, and it just, it, when it finally gets here, you're just like, damn. All right, well, we got one game left. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I mean, as much as I love betting golf and the PGA Tour, we do a lot of it at thelines.com, there's not really as much of a sweat with, like, you know, is Kevin Yu going to finish in the top 20 versus, like, my team, the 49ers, making a playoff run and somehow pulling playoff wins out of their ass to get to this point, Matt. Like, that. that's the real sweat. It is. Guys, we're... We're going to try to give you every angle of this game, whether we're on the side or whether we're on the total or whether we're on the opposite side of the opposite uh, or the opposite total. We're going to go ahead and try and, and give you the thoughts here as we progress. As we sit right now, a market low of a point and a half in favor of the 49ers, a market high and two and a half, two and a half in favor of the 49ers sitting at 47 and a half on the total. Adam, I know you don't have a side. Steven, I know you don't have a side in this, but let's go Let's go ahead and just kind of talk through this, and we can try and pr- predict what's going on. I mean, Adam, in years past, we knew how the Super Bowl worked. It was one-way traffic on the favorite, and it was one-way traffic on the over. This total has gone from 48 to 47 and a half and been stuck in mud for a week and a half now. It's pretty much been two across the board. Like I said, there is a market low of a point and a half and a market high of two and a half, but Pretty much every book is at two and has been at two for a week and a half as well. Now that we're at 30 plus states with legal betting, I don't know if all of the tried and true stuff that we kind of had grown accustomed to when it came to the Super Bowl is necessarily going to manifest. Like, I don't know if it's just going to be one way traffic on the favorite from a money, from a uh, point spread perspective. It's going to be one way traffic at the dog money line that it's going to be you know, all overs all the time that this 47 and a half is going to turn into 49. I just don't know if we get there. What do you think? We're kind of leaking into little legal sports report territory here when we talk about the (laughs) fact that there is no legal betting in Missouri 
and there is no legal betting in California. So mm. you don't have either home market able to really push anything in a particular direction. And I think the other thing that's worth noting, Matt, is when you talk about everything being painted, you're also talking about sharp books in Vegas. You're talking about sharp books offshore. Like you're talking about pretty much everybody being in the same spot. So it's not as though we look at books that have that 30 state kind of liquidity and say, yep, it's just going to kind of stick where it is because there's too much action on both sides for it to move in the traditional ways. It's really even the ones where we're used to seeing, hey, you're going to see some move during the week based on when the limits go up, who is, happens to be coming to town at any given time, so on, so on. I think as we record this on Thursday, maybe if it's going to move in Vegas, it's going to move over the next day or two until we get to Sunday morning. Because as you've mentioned previously, this is kind of when we start to see everybody get to town for the Super Bowl. And maybe that's when some of the bigger bets get placed in Las Vegas. Steven, let's go ahead, and before we get into the breakdown, let's let's make our predictions. Where does this thing kick off? What is the spread? What is the total when this thing goes live on Sunday afternoon? I think it's going to be right where we're at. I think it's going to be two in favor of the 49ers, and I think it's going to be 47 and a half, Matt. And I, you tell me if you think I'm off base here or exaggerating it. Keep me honest. But, you know, every ticket and bet and data and interview I've seen has been about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So, to me, the public is very much, you know, significantly more than 50% on the Chiefs in this game. And yet, it doesn't take much to move a number when it's not a key number under three to move it back towards a pick if there's a lot of support for the Chiefs. And it hasn't. It was briefly at one, one and a half, and it's been mostly two the entire week. So that tells me that there is significant amount of respected money sharp money interested in the 49ers in this game for the books to not be interested in at least as we record to move this off of two in any significant way adam what say you what are we uh what are we kicking off here on sunday as far as the uh spread and total because of the market forces it takes to move each direction i won't be surprised at all if we go off one one and a half uh in favor of san francisco here i don't think that total's moving because of the fact that we are sitting between two key numbers, right? Both 47 and 48 are numbers that have significance in the market, and it feels like you could make a pretty good case either way. However, we know that at two and in one book, as you mentioned, two and a half, I don't think you're seeing three. Uh, that, that, seems yeah. like, uh, that, that seems like a very bad idea to offer three on Kansas City. But when we talk about what it takes to move down to one and a half to one, it's not going to take that much money coming in on Kansas City late for this to move in certain places. And considering what we've talked about in the past, which is the Patrick Mahomes factor and just how excited people are about it, I hear what Stephen is saying, that we have certain books that are sending out their early information saying, yeah, 76 77% from a couple that I've seen of the tickets are on Kansas City. That's logical, right? It's perfectly understandable considering the hype we've seen around Mahomes. However, most bookmakers will tell you a lot of that casual action is still to come, and we're Absolutely. still going to see a lot of bets to come over the next few days, and especially on Sunday. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of people dropping into the market on Sunday saying, you know who I want? Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to go with point and a half. I think a, I think a half point movement because I think that we are going to get a decent amount of the casual money 
on the Chiefs, even on the spread. Typically, we see the dog take the money line action, and we see the favorite take the spread action. But I don't know, man. I, it, this feels like with the Mahomes factor, with the Kelsey factor, and hell, let's just be uh, call a spade a spade with the Taylor Swift factor and all the things like that. Like I, I think we're going to see a popular. Chiefs team even on the spread which like you know again like uh, most casual betters it's like oh I can I can bet this amount and win more money they do they typically like to take the money line because they're like oh I can bet 100 and win 110 that's great I don't want to have to bet 110 and win 100 like that's no no way but I actually think people are going to be coming in on the Chiefs this is a very very interesting test for me and I've been watching these lines like a hawk and Fortunately, I hadn't had to watch them all that long because they just don't move. But like, I have been very curious as to how this stuff is gonna gonna go over the next few days, and I am very interested as far as the total goes. To me, I actually do think I, I think we get a I think we get back to forty eight. It is hard for me to believe, and Adam, I know we're we're in a different we're in a different world than we were five years ago, even in ten years ago, and so like that, but. I just find it hard to believe that even if there is sharp groups out there and people with big money that want to take the 48, that want to take the under, that it's going to be enough to balance out what will what will inevitably be the flood of over money by every single casual better on in the United States. That's going to be the real question because we yeah. know that what moved this in the first place, I mean, any line move that, that happens as early as it does is not based on casual action. We know that. That being said, what's the size of the wagers that are going to come in, Matt, when we talk about that casual action, right? $20, $50, $100 a wager, right? When it feels to me, and again, you know, just vibes, not facts. Yeah. It feels to me like if we were going to see more action to move this thing back in the direction of the over from anyone on the smart side, we probably would have seen it by now because you don't expect this to get down to 47, right? Like you're not expecting no, yeah. anyone else to come in and push this farther down and some sharp group to be sitting around saying, hey, you know what? We'll wait for 47 to, to come in and come back over. No, it just doesn't. It, it doesn't look that way. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't vibe that way. Matt, one more quick prediction. Yep, yep. I think the national online sports books are more likely to move the line off of Chiefs betters and Chiefs money. And I wondered, getting your take here as a guy who's in Vegas, it sounds like to me it's an invasion of 49ers fans. They're going for their first Super Bowl championship since the 1994 season. Chiefs fans have been here, done that before. Sounds like the Vegas books are more likely to get a lot of Niners bets and therefore more likely to stay on two than the national online books that may not have as big of a presence in, in Nevada. Yeah, I mean, they did open up. I'm sure you guys saw this. There was like airlines like made new flights from from Kansas City to Vegas. And so uh there was a flight 87. How cute. <laughs> and there was also a flight. What's her album? Is it 1982 or something or not, not, what is it? What's uh, whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah, it's a year. I, I think maybe it was no, a year. No one did a was... flight 13, huh? That that that, yeah, that, that would have <laughs> seemed a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> they whatever uh whatever that, that her album i think it was the year she was born or something but they did a that they named the flight number was that number and all that so that was kind of cute as well anecdotally i've been down there last couple of days 
I have seen more 49ers fans than Chiefs fans, though that's to be expected. It's a much easier trip, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that's to be expected. I'll definitely let everybody know on the, uh, on the Twitter machine what it looks like as we uh, get a little bit closer to kickoff. But let's go ahead and get into this handicap again. 49ers anywhere for, let's just call it two. It's, it's basically two across the board. 47.5 is definitely the total as of this recording here on a Thursday. San Francisco 49ers ran into a little bit of a rut early, in the, early on in the season. They started out 5-0, and three-game losing streak in which they had injuries, different guys and key players going in and out of the lineup. Made them look mortal. They get back healthy, become a truck yet again, and just absolutely look like the best team in the NFL. The Chiefs, as anyone listened to this podcast all season long knows, I was probably the lowest on the Chiefs of any human in the on the planet. Like I am so wrong this season on the Chiefs. Here they are yet again, win the AFC and get in here to the Super Bowl. Um, Adam, I, I I know you guys don't have a a side here, so I do want to get y'all's perspective on all this, and then we can kind of circle back around to where where I'm at. But if we look at this Chiefs team, and I know that you were at least a little bit more open to this Chiefs team being good than I think I was uh, over the course of the season. Definitely from an offensive perspective, leaves a little bit to be desired, but has over the second half of the season at least kind of embraced that and started to kind of call plays that are uh, that cater to the personnel around him or lack thereof, I should say, maybe even. And, and Patrick Mahomes didn't put up these eye-popping numbers. They weren't wild and crazy, but he was able to lead an efficient offense. And here they are finding themselves in the Super Bowl. When we kind of assess this Chiefs team heading in, we know Kelsey, obviously, maybe the best tight end of all time. Patrick Mahomes, likely on the road, barring injury to being the greatest quarterback of all time. But outside of that, there's just a whole bunch of question marks. Let's start breaking this thing down. All right, so let's go from that angle. First of all, we'll talk about the Kansas City offense because we're going to get into all of the breakdown of both sides here. And just if you want to get the quick analysis from me, I have less feel for a side in this game than I probably have had for any game all season long. I almost immediately ruled out betting side because I can make you a very passionate fact-based case for either one of these teams winning. But what I did come down to, what felt very confident for me, is the fact that there's going to be offense in this game. And so... I'm actually okay at 47.5 going over. It's not a smash by any stretch for me, but I have a very difficult time seeing either one of these defenses being able to hold down what the other side does. We'll start with the Kansas City offense. Why has it been so good? You probably are tired of hearing this, and I'm tired of saying it, but it is Mahomes. It's absolutely Mahomes. Let's look at what he's been able to do thus far in the playoffs. 40 times he's been pressured. Two times he's been sacked. You can't get to him. He makes the right choice every single time. He is no longer frustrated Patrick Mahomes like he was two and three years ago when the two high shells started to come out and the deep shots weren't there anymore. He's adjusted to what the defenses are doing. He's adjusted to the fact that he does not have the over-the-top stuff and the personnel that he has is forcing him to walk across the street a whole bunch of times. Now, in the playoffs, he's had a much different looking Travis Kelsey that has aided this and actually opened things up just a little bit. But Patrick Mahomes has, according to FTN, zero, zero interceptable passes in three playoff games. That is remarkable because in the past, 
you could at least count on the fact that Mahomes might give you a couple opportunities when he's trying to make plays. And that has not happened. Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions in the Super Bowl against the 49ers last time they played. And this is not a situation where the bill is going to come due. Patrick Mahomes has learned when to take the ball and run with it. Patrick Mahomes has learned when to throw it away. And he has learned to take what is in front of him when it comes to how opposing defenses choose to play against this team. So that, to me, suggests that I don't think the Kansas City offense has a high, high ceiling. I don't think this is a 34-40 point ceiling in this game. But I think the floor is extremely high. I do not see where this offense is getting less than 17 to 20 points when you look at what Mahomes is able to give them drive in and drive out. Steven, we'll get to the 49ers offense here in just a second. But as we continue on with the Chiefs offense, a lot of love for Isaiah Pacheco this week. I've heard a ton of people that are on the over as far as his rushing yards. Maybe, 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 maybe somebody here on this podcast. Um, but you look, he's been incredibly efficient over the course of the entire season. It's kind of one of those weird things you dig in and I, I don't know. It's maybe it's just because it's, you get this idea. It's the Chiefs and it's Mahomes and it's supposed to be this like slinging it all over the field type offense, or whatever. And then you go in and you look and you're like, Oh, Pacheco averaged 4.6 yards of carry over the course of the season. Like, damn. All right. Like, it, it, wow. He's actually sitting here with, you know, a, a, pretty decent line whenever you look like his median yardage over the course of the year 66 yards a game like all right and then you see this 49er defense that allowed a 51 percent success rate to rushes outside the tackles this season and Pacheco comes into this game with a 4-3-7-40 and they love to run outside of the tackles and so if we're looking from an offensive perspective for the Chiefs my guess is they at least test this run game early and often and see if that's the path to victory here and I think that the Mahomes slinging it all over the field is actually the secondary approach, maybe break glass if in case of emergency. Yeah, the, I'm going to talk about Pacheco. I'm going to talk about Mahomes too. Matt, we know at this point you do have a bet on the Chiefs to cover here and potentially win this game. So my role on the Megapod for the Super Bowl is going to be giving the 49ers perspective. So first of all, on Pacheco, what's interesting to me, and I don't know quite the answer, The last two playoff games, a lot's been made about the 49ers being weak, specifically on outside outside zone runs, and both the Packers and the Lions took advantage of that. Because Chase Young can't defend the run. He's He's a complete liability. And I agree, he should not be on the field on early downs, in my opinion, at this point. They should have somebody else, if they have anybody, that's, that's better against the run. Now, the Chiefs aren't an outside zone running team. They're more primarily an inside zone running team, and just if you watch with your eyes, it makes a lot of sense. Pacheco up the middle, running as hard as he can, making it, you know, second, making defenders think twice about wanting to tackle somebody who's running like a, you know, as an old coach used to say about Maurice Jones drew a rolling ball of butcher knives. So uh, that to me is the interesting angle here. Can they be as effective running inside on the 49ers when they don't primarily have the ability to exploit the weakness, weakness on the outside with Mahomes, like, The questions we had going into the AFC Championship game were the Chiefs offense. What we saw in the Bengals game after the embarrassing loss to the Raiders on Christmas and the wild card round and the Bills game. Was that actually the Chiefs offense being back or was it a product of playing three really bad and or injured defenses? And in my opinion, the hype coming into the Super Bowl about the Chiefs offense is a little exaggerated. And we shouldn't forget that the Chiefs only scored 17 points against the Baltimore Ravens 
and had well under five yards per play. I know they got off to a hot start and took their foot off the gas, but they were a punched out ball into the end zone away from that game being tied and maybe blowing that game. So I think we should pump the brakes a little bit about the Chiefs offense back being back to being world beaters here. And their offensive line, to me, still has red flags. Their tackles stink, Matt. I don't know if you remember from our summer episode. You asked me, if it's going to go wrong for the Chiefs, where is it going to go wrong? And I said, these two tackles that they brought in this year are not very good. And it's it's borne out that way. They're two of among the most penalized tackles in the NFL. Their PFF grades, they've PFF graded more than 80 offensive tackles this year, neither of them. Smith and also Jawan Taylor, neither of them are ranked in the top 60 among all offensive tackles. And now Joe Thune's probably not going to play one of the top 10 guards in the NFL, a pro bowler and his backup Nick Allegretti in the AFC championship game, starting at left guard, allowed a team high four pressures and a sack in that one. And the only other kind of, he doesn't play very much, but the other time he played was actually in the Chiefs Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he allowed seven pressures in that game. So at least on paper here, this 49ers defensive line should eat. Now, the concern I have with the line is that they haven't gotten the same pressure rate this year as they did last year, even though they aren't blitzing as much. So the money they've spent on the line has not turned into production on a consistent basis here. But at least with the Chiefs offense, this offensive line is at least potentially a liability for Mahomes in this game. And the defensive line for the 49ers, to me, this is a big step down in class from the offensive lines they faced against the Packers and the Lions. So, uh, Adam, we talked, a lot of people have talked about the run game and the maybe the advantage that the Chiefs have from a run perspective against this defensive line for the, for the 49ers that just got gashed in the first two playoff games. I mean, if you look to the tune of 6.3 yards a carry for the Lions in that game. Um, but no one's really talking about the pass. And, and so I'm tr- curious as to your opinion. Like, I've heard the only opinion that I've gotten so far from a lot of people is, well, if you're the 49ers, you just you're you just focus on stopping Kelsey and that's it. And like, well, you know, that's been the that's been the damn game plan for the last six years and no one's been able to do that. Like, <laughs> I, it's easier said than done, right? Oh, okay, let's just stop Kelsey. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, sure, let's just stop Kelsey. Well, I mean, like, that's just that's that's in my opinion too simplistic. Like, what him and Mahomes are able to do. I mean, you hear this stuff about these guys that break down the film. I'm sure you guys watch the same stuff I do. Like, every route Kelsey runs, he can do three different things on the route. Like, and him and Mahomes just have this weird connection to where Mahomes knows when he's going to just hook, when he's going to turn inside, when he's going to take it up the side. Like, it, it's, 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 un, it's unreal. So, I think that, that handicap to me is just like a little bit thin because, yeah, sure, if it was as easy as just, oh, let's stop Kelsey, then then he wouldn't have games of 172 yards and 130 yards and all stuff like that over the course of the season. So what what do you see from a Chiefs passing side here, and do you think that Kelsey gets his, and, and obviously Rasheed Rice kind of became that de facto wide receiver one for them? That's really the key here is that Travis Kelsey has had a different bounce in his step, right? And that's not the usual PFF grade type analysis that we put out there, but I don't think it's hard for anybody who – watches this game regularly to see is that Travis Kelsey has looked like a different player. And that, of course, has always been the key to the Chiefs offense. As you said, yes, Rasheed Rice has become, I mean, we're not going to say a wide receiver one on the NFL caliber wide receiver one, but if you're Patrick Mahomes, 
you know, you've been able to do it without. You did it last year without. You're going to do it this year without. Uh, you don't need someone to be able to fill that role. You haven't. Now, to go back to the point that, that Steven is talking about here when it comes to the Chiefs and the offensive line, I understand that they only scored 17 against Baltimore. I also looked at what they did those first two drives, and it was completely unstoppable. Uh, Andy Reid on script was very, very good. And the key to that, what you're saying about the offensive line, is that what I said about Mahomes, maybe you pressure him, but you're not sacking him. And Mahomes has proven able to get outside of structure and still be able to make positive plays for this team. So, yeah, those concerns are valid, I think, when it comes to especially Joe Tooney still being hurt and we don't know exactly what his situation is going to be. But I am not terribly concerned about the Chiefs being able to pass the ball, in part because I've watched the 49ers for two games in the playoffs, and this defense has not been good by any stretch of the imagination. And so I look at what Baltimore, you know, you talk about Baltimore and the fact that, yeah, they're a punched ball at the goal line away from being able to, you know, potentially not be here. You're absolutely right, but that didn't have anything to do with the offense, right? That had to do with the mistakes that Baltimore made. And unless Kyle Shanahan went out and hired Todd Munkin on the uh, break here between the AFC Championship and now, I think you're going to see a better 49ers game plan that will be able to you know do more things against Kansas City but anyway to the point we're talking about with the offense I do think Kansas City is going to be able to throw the ball it's not going to be an explosive offense I see your hand you'll get your turn the <laughs> the the Kansas City offense is able to walk the ball across the street a lot more effectively than they were early in the year and that is really the key to this because they don't have the explosion the same way that they have in the past I don't know that it's going to matter if they're able to consistently move the ball in small ways. Adam, All right, the- Steven, I know you got a retort here, but let's make it quick because we we got to get to the got to get to the 49ers side of things here. Absolutely. And Adam, the 49ers defense is why I have not bet the side because this would be the cheapest price on the 49ers against the Chiefs on a neutral field basically any point the second half of the season. So on paper, this is a good price to bet the 49ers. But I can't deny the defense has been ass in the playoffs. If you look at their EPA and success rate in the first playoff game against the Packers and compare it to regular season rankings, it would have been bottom five in the league. The Lions game compared to regular season rankings, their EPA and success rate would have been dead last in the NFL. If they come out and Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, trots out zone defense again without blitzing behind that front four, Mahomes is going to eat them alive. The same thing happened against the Lions until they finally made adjustments and had their top corner, Charvarius Ward, start shadowing Amon Ross St. Brown. The Niners have to play man defense in this game. The Chiefs don't have a lot of weapons. If they do that, I think they can fix this because there are enough games in the regular season to show they have the talent to have a great defensive game. They completely embarrassed the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most respected offenses in the leagues this year. While the Eagles were still good, they completely embarrassed them. So it's there, but don't come out and play soft zone, dropping seven into coverage against Patrick Mahomes. He will slice you and dice you, and it will be death by a thousand paper cuts. Well, let's talk here about uh, somebody who kind of under the radar, I think for a lot of people, did slice and dice the NFL this year, and that was Brock Purdy. I was not a Brock Purdy guy. Um, Brock Purdy proved me wrong over the course of the NFL season. If you look, the offense, 
Number one EPA per play, number one EPA per pass, number one EPA per rush. That is pretty good, if you're wondering. Uh, over the course of the season, they were really, really good. But, you know, uh, Stephen, I know that you're you're, you're going to try to make the, the case here for the 49ers. I think you can make it. It's pretty easy to make the case here for the 49ers. And it's they have a awesome offense. They are multiple. And this defense for the Chiefs, as good as they've been all year long, has not faced a team as good as the 49ers, which no team is as good as the 49ers. So, of course, they haven't faced a team as good as the 49ers all year long. And maybe it's just not going to hold up. And I think that that's, I think that's okay if you're in this handicap. If you're on the Chiefs' side, I think you have to be willing to understand that in this range of outcomes is a double-digit 49er win. Like, I think that that needs to be, like, fully understood because if this – if this defense cannot hold this offense down for at least the at least the majority of the game, the Chiefs offense, their score, but they're not gonna like light it up as Adam said. Like he doesn't expect a 30 point outburst or any kind of anything like that. And so if there's one team that's gonna score 30 points in this game, in my opinion, it would be the 49ers and certainly wouldn't be the Chiefs. And so I'm I am willing holding this plus two ticket in my account, understanding that I might not I might lose this game by more than a touchdown. Like I'm I'm fully aware of that because as good as the Kansas City defense was all season long, they have not faced anybody like this 49ers team, and and maybe it's just going to be too much and they get swallowed up. Yeah, I mean, this has been the story of the Niners' offense all year, right? Like you just mentioned, they're number one in the league in everything. You didn't even mention the rushing offense, which was also number one in the league in both EPA and success rate. They're clearly the best any given week, and their ceiling is the highest, but... You guys have talked about it all year. Any given week, Brock Purdy has a range of outcomes that cost them the game. And that almost happened in each of the playoff games. If you look at pro football focus, Brock Purdy's rate of negatively graded dropbacks in the postseason is at 23%. That would have been the worst rate of all quarterbacks in the regular season with 200 plus dropbacks. Overall, his turnover-worthy play rate ranked 28th out of 44 quarterbacks. He should have thrown more interceptions. And he's playing a really good Steve Spagnuolo-led defense here, who's one of the most respected, best defensive game planners and game callers of this era. He is going to try and confuse Purdy. And when Purdy gets pressured, he sometimes makes bad decisions. So although Purdy was a big reason for the comebacks in both of those playoff games, he was also a big reason why a comeback was required. So that's the other reason why I haven't bet side here because they could have like every, every week this season, the team total on the Niners has been like 30 and the implied total now is like 23 and a half. So it it could happen, but Purdy is going to have a really, really big challenge here against this defense. Yeah, I, I, Adam, if if I look at this, and I know we we say it's like I said the the handicap was too simplistic whenever it came to oh let's just stop Kelsey, but one thing that you can do, and it does leave your your defense vulnerable. One thing you can do is you can stack the box and try to and and try to force a team to throw against you and, and not and not allow them to run. Christian McCaffrey, incredibly efficient all season long. They were amazing. Every single time that they ran the ball, every game, they were efficient. You can look up and down their their season. That being said, if you're the Chiefs defense and you're Spags, you have this outside cornerback tandem that allowed the second lowest completion to to the to the uh sidelines all season long. They are very good in man coverage. They run a ton of man coverage. And with that, 
if you feel comfortable at the perimeter with your guys, it wouldn't surprise me at least early and and see if it works where they just kind of run heavy boxes and say, we're not going to allow Christian McCaffrey to go for 120 yards in this game. It's just not going to happen. I feel like that is how this game might at least start. Where do you think this offense for the 49ers being as you know, as wildly efficient as they are from all aspects, where do you think they come out and try to get it done here against this Chiefs defense that for the vast majority of the year was a top five defense in the NFL? Okay, get ready for a <clears throat> a recitation of numbers here. These are going to be games in which both Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel were healthy, right? Because we're going to leave out a three-game stretch in the middle of the season where the 49ers lost three straight games where Debo was hurt and Brock Purdy might or might not have been concussed. Okay, here we go. 30, 30, 30, 35, 42, 34, 27, 31, 42, 28, 45, 19. That's the Ravens in a game with four interceptions for Brock Purdy. 27. Then we get to the playoffs. 24, 34. Those are the offensive totals for the San Francisco 49ers this year. Play any defense you want because when they're healthy, and they're in full Death Star mode, it doesn't matter. You want to go ahead and stack the box? Fine, I'll play I'll play along. Stack the box. Put six or seven up at the line and show Kyle Shanahan that he's going to get one-on-one matchups with all of the guys that he has. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 65% success rate against man. George Kittle leads the league at 69% success rate against man coverage. You can try it. And maybe it does slow McCaffrey down, but it's not going to slow the San Francisco 49ers down Mm -hmm. because you're going to see this team be able to move the ball and get points because it's been the one reliable thing in all of the National Football League this year. They still got 17 in a game in which Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, which, let's be honest, two of those were his fault. Two of those were really not. So I have no question about the fact that San Francisco is going to be able to move the ball. How they move the ball? I do think you can ask reasonable questions there, Matt, because you could say to yourself, all right, we're going to plaster as best we can one-on-one and pray to God that if we take the runaway, that we can win enough coverage matchups to at least interrupt a few drives for San Francisco and say, maybe they get 20, maybe they get 21, and we're able to get 24, and that's it, and we win the ball game. Now, when it comes to how Brock Purdy performs against the Steve Spagnuolo defense, I'm sure you guys have heard the stat ad nauseum. Brock Purdy, EPA per play against the Blitz this year, was best in the NFL. And it was not particularly close, and it was a big number, 0.4 per play. The Kansas City Chiefs, against quarterbacks out of structure, were second in the league in EPA per play allowed. So if you want to see where the real matchup is in this game, let's go ahead and see if Steve Spagnuolo is able to create pressure against the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy has to move and now you've got those corners and those linebackers trying to run scramble drill and plaster against the 49ers that's really where the matchup is going to come down to but in the end I feel like that's still a matter of just disrupting a few San Francisco drives and getting a few punts because in the end they have shown you all year long they're going to get points I don't want people to roll their eyes when I say this but I I I actually believe in this like cliche for this particular game, but I think the Chiefs best defense in this game might be their offense and like keeping the 49ers on the sideline, right? Like running the ball with Pacheco, doing like you're saying, I like 
these six minute drives, the, you know, whatever is just like making this game kind of, kind of gross might be their best way at going about this. I think anybody that is, if you're, if it's, if this is a shootout, it's going to go bad for the Chiefs, in my personal opinion. Like, I, they do not have the firepower to go blow for blow with the 49ers. I kind of feel like if you like the Chiefs in this game, you probably should be leaning towards the under. You probably should be even leaning towards alt unders because you need the five, six, seven minute drives. You need the 49ers to have another four or five minute drive that they end up having to settle for a field goal as opposed to getting the, the, the touchdown and all of that. Like, I, I think that that's kind of the way that this is going to, to have to go for, for, uh, for this one. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. All right, guys, let's kind of get into, obviously people are going to play a ton of props. And so like this, this also can kind of fit into the handicap of the game as well. If you look at these passing props, one thing I cannot stress enough to everybody out there, if you are going to be betting props and you're going to be looking at stuff, it takes a little bit of extra work. Median over mean. There is, if you, if you, uh, there are outliers that can skew what the average is over the course of the season. Please go in. If you don't know what the median is, the median is the middle point in a, in a data set. And so instead of just taking all of it and dividing it, in this case, it would be, let's say, passing yards divided by games. It actually takes all of the passing yards in a data set and then it'll give you the middle point. And that will give you a better overall idea of kind of what these people actually do on a week-to-week basis as opposed to whenever you look at something that can really be skewed. For example, Patrick Mahomes, his average pass yards on the season was 258. His mean passing yards was actually 245 because Patrick Mahomes had a 424-yard pass game over the course of the season, which really elevated uh, his passing totals and things like that. And so, guys, just from a uh, – I'll start with you, Stephen. Just from a a passer perspective – I don't really have anything on the yardage here because I think that these, I think there's game scripts that could play to both sides. But the one thing that did kind of stick out to me is it doesn't really matter what the game script is. Brock Purdy just doesn't throw a ton of passes and it's set at 31 and a half right now. And like, if you look one, two, three times. In 19 games, did he throw more than 31 passes in a game? Like, they just, 
they just stick to the plan, right? It's, it's McCaffrey, McCaffrey, Purdy pass. McCaffrey, Purdy pass, McCaffrey. And the other thing that helps with these low pass attempts is they, they have so many splash plays, right? That like, that like you don't have to put together an eight completion drive whenever your guy's going 50 yards with the damn ball. So that was kind of the only prop from a passing side that did stick out to me was the, the, the Purdy maybe under pass attempts. Uh, what do you think here from just a, a Mahomes and Purdy passing standpoint? The wild thing is about betting the under on that Purdy, the NFC Championship game proved even when they're down 17 at the half, it's not dead. He still only finished with 31 passing attempts against the Lions in that game. So that's kind of nuts. I have actually bet Purdy to throw an interception in this game. And this mm -hmm. has been ping-ponging around a little bit between minus 115 and minus 120. For the overall statistical reasons I've talked about before, in terms of X's and O's, I'm very curious if Steve Spagnola comes out against his tendencies that he's done for most of the year. I think it's really the key to this game. Which defense is going to do more of what they're not used to doing and do it better? Because Adam laid out all the reasons why Purdy has crushed man coverage when he gets blitzed this year. But if you remember the Baltimore game where he struggled was when he got pressured and there was zone defense behind it. But the Chiefs ran man coverage this year at a top five rate in the league. So if if they play zone behind it, I think they probably have more success. But, you know, Purdy has had a tendency to make mistakes. He's gotten away with a lot of them. I think he's much more likely than this price to throw an interception in this game based on the matchup and the level of competition he's playing. I'm glad game. you brought that up because I actually do have that in the account as well. I forgot about that. So, uh, I and do I don't think that means that they're going to lose the game either. Yeah, I, no, I mean, no. I mean, like, it's just, uh, he just, he puts the ball in danger. That's who Purdy is. I mean, you, sure. you got to take the good. Yeah. You got to take the, the bad with the good. Right. And he, he, he puts the ball in danger. Adam, if you use our handy dandy prop finder tool over at thelines.com, I can tell you that kind of the prevailing number is 260 and a half for Patrick Mahomes. For Brock Purdy, it's sitting about 240. Let's call it 246, even though it's 247 and a half, something like that would be the, the number on them. Those are still healthy passing totals for both of these guys, especially when you consider that a bunch of people keep talking about how, how much they think the run game is going to work for both of these teams. Uh, any thoughts on the passing side of things? Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time betting either of those numbers. They both seem gettable on both sides. I don't really see much of an edge because, as you mentioned, the Chiefs, are they going to run the ball with Pacheco and the 49ers? Are they going to be able to run the ball with McCaffrey? What, how are they going to go about it? I don't know game plan enough the way that... I would want to to be able to comfortably say, okay, here's what's going to happen because I just watched the Baltimore Ravens one run the dumbest game plan in league history against the Kansas City Chiefs. And so for me, trying to understand those yardage numbers is coaching the bet a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. It goes for me not against the idea of the over, though, because I believe one way or the other both teams are moving the ball. I'm just not really sure until we see what those first 15 plays look like on both sides of the ball, how it's going to happen. Let me keep Matt, it right I think, back to you. Yeah. I think what I may do is wait like right near kickoff and see if you know everybody pounds the over on Mahomes' passing yards because he's Patrick Mahomes yeah. in the Super Bowl and, and bet the under. We're, there's already a 262 on the board. And if you look at this stretch of games where they got this winning streak going since Christmas, 245 yards, 262 yards, 215 yards, 241 yards. You know, they're methodical. 
They're not explosive. So if this gets inflated anymore by the public, I do think under passing yards for Mahomes is a decent look here. Adam, I'm going to kick it right back to you. Isaiah Pacheco, prevailing total out there, 67 and a half rush yards. Christian McCaffrey is sitting at 89 and a half rush yards out there. I did play the Pacheco over 65 and a half on the opener. Seems like a lot of people decided that that was going to be a bet that they wanted to get in on early as this thing quickly moved two yards in the direction of the overs up to 67 and a half. On the McCaffrey side of things, surprisingly enough, and we'll see how this goes, like we mentioned, casual bettors are going to start looking at this maybe later today, tomorrow, but the McCaffrey number pretty much has stuck so far. The 89 and a half has pretty much been where he has been uh, over the course of the week and a half now that we've led, led into this game. What do you think from a rushing perspective for these guys? I'll pass on Pacheco. When it comes to the Christian McCaffrey one, I think the way to go about this, and if you guys saw the five best bets video that we did, I talked about McCaffrey as the leading receptions guy in the game at 7-1 to one as a potential way to go about this. You know that I think... The blitz could lead to more short passes to McCaffrey, more screens to McCaffrey as a way to try to slow down the pass rush. So if I were going to bet either of those numbers, I would probably be looking for an alt under on McCaffrey and just try to lean all the way into the idea that they're going to throw the ball to him instead of running the ball with him. If it truly does end up, like you said, Matt, with a stacked box and they say you're not running against us, then I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to say, well, I guess I can't use Christian McCaffrey today. They're going to find a way to get the ball into his hands one way or the other. So I might try to find something that pushes down to 81 and a half, 82 and a half, go under that and try to get a little bit more value for the idea of he's not going to be able to run the ball as much. Steven, talking about that average, the median and mean, if you go to Christian McCaffrey, he's one of the guys where it actually goes the opposite direction. His average or mean on the year, 91 and a half rush yards per game, but his median is actually 94 uh, rush yards. He has games of 152, 145, 116, 115, 114, 106, 103, 98, 95, and 93 over the course of the season. He actually has a 90-yarder as well. Every single one of those would get him over that 89 and a half do you think he finds a bunch of success here against this rush defense of the Chiefs that as good as they are against the pass, you could say that they're equally as bad against the run, at least over the course of the season, if we look at season-long statistics? The matchup is definitely there for a ceiling game for Christian McCaffrey. The Just one thing I would be maybe a little concerned about is we shouldn't forget that he was unable to finish the Lions game. Eli Mitchell actually came in, ran out the clock, and scored the final touchdown there. So I actually put like, you know, a couple bucks on McCaffrey unders, same game parlayed with an Eli Mitchell touchdown. That was like 30 to one. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, but with an Eli Mitchell to score the last touchdown, that was 60 to one. Just in the event that McCaffrey isn't totally healthy or re-aggravates it in the middle of the game. But it, he's not on the injury report. He should be fine. But, you know, He's been dealing with this for a couple of weeks now. He left the Washington game as well. So keep that in the back of your head. But overall, what I would just say, Matt, is if you think a ceiling game is there, you just read off some of these like monstrous games that he's had. Either just bet MVP of the Super Bowl. How often is he going to have 120-plus rushing yards and the Niners not win and him not get Super Bowl MVP? Or just ladder his rushing yards, right? Like take a, a unit on the regular prop for his over, and then take half of your potential profits and split it between nine or hundred plus, hundred and ten plus, hundred and twenty plus, whatever. And 
So that way, if he's hitting that ceiling, you're getting much more than just the the potential of yeah. um you know the normal prop there. Yeah, I I look at the most rushing yards in the game as a head to head bet between him and Pacheco. I know there are other guys, but like let's just be let's just be realistic. These guys are bell cows. Yeah. They get ninety nine percent of the carries if they possibly can. So I bet Pacheco leading rusher in the game, and mainly it just came down to the fact that I thought the price was off considering it's a head-to-head and considering what is actually projected for these guys. 18.5 carries for McCaffrey, 16.5 carries for Pacheco, and if I like the Chiefs and actually think that maybe Pacheco gets a few extra carries because they're having success against this 49ers team, and if the 49ers, as you know, one of the game scripts we pointed out, Adam, would be the fact that if maybe the Chiefs just say like, okay, we're going to brick wall this. If you want to throw on our corners, you can do that. Then maybe that 18.5 carries for, for McCaffrey ends up being 14, 15, 16 carries. Um, I'll, I'll take Pacheco in a head-to-head there in, in that type of deal. Interestingly enough, Pacheco has led every playoff game in rushing in rushing yards in the game, and McCaffrey has not in both of theirs, which is a kind of interesting fact there for for them. So I did play Pacheco uh, specifically after seeing what the Lions were able to do from a rushing aspect um, against them. Let's get to the receivers. Adam, I know we talked about this just a little bit um, in just the kind of the game breakdown, but let's just overall thoughts here. Who do you think has a big game? Who do you think has a has an okay game? Who do you think maybe gets removed? I mean, we have so many weapons on the 49ers side of things. Basically, kind of only looking at Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Maybe you can bring an MVS into the conversation if you want to on the Chiefs side of things. Uh, what say you? This is where it gets a little bit tricky for me, and this is where I like the idea of playing the variance, and that's why I talked about that McCaffrey most receptions prop because outside of Travis Kelsey, who's the obvious answer for who's going to lead this game in receptions, there's not a clear target monster anywhere on either side because the 49ers have four different receivers who have at least 80 receptions on the year. So you know that they are willing to go with whoever happens to be open at the time. And on the Kansas City side, I mean, really, who other than Rasheed Rice do do you trust to any level? Um, reading one very interesting breakdown from Sumer Sports, I, I'm i intrigued by this. I'm not, I haven't bet it, but I'm intrigued by the idea of will Kansas City use any of the wide receivers to run? to attack the edges on San Francisco where other teams have been successful. They threw out the idea of Mecole Hardman getting a couple of rushes. And I must say, I don't particularly hate that. Um, I would definitely do it in terms of attempts if I could do it as opposed to trying to peg yardage, but just creative ways to think about how the receivers might get involved in this game. But specific to receiving props, The only ones I'm looking at that I feel confident in are McCaffrey. Again, he has two double-digit target games in his last five. He hasn't been targeted less than five times in any of those games. And I just think whether it's screens, whether it's dump-offs, whether it's designed going out and splitting out, there are too many ways that McCaffrey gets the ball in his hands in the passing game to feel as though he is not going to get at least the target share to get there on receiving. Yeah, talking about that variance on the 49ers side of things here, Stephen, we have Brandon Ayuk who had games of 25, 32, 37, and 43 yards to go along with games of 156, 148, 129, and 126. The same could be said for Debo who had games of 21, 24, 30, and 37 to go along with 149, 129, 116, and George Kittle even who had a game with one 
receiving yard. Yes, one receiving yard despite running uh, routes on 83% of dropbacks. George Kittle had a one-yard game. He also had a nine-yard game. He had a 19-yard game. He had a 27-yard game. He also had a 149, a 126, a 116, and a 90. I think what this basically the picture this paints is not only tip of the cap to Brock Purdy because he's just throwing to whoever has the best matchup in the game, but also Shanahan going in and realizing, okay, we're just going to play the best matchup and that's what we're going to do. And these guys are just going to have to deal with it. If they have a 30 yard game, they have a 30 yard game. It is what it is. And so I played Kittle longest reception over 19 and a half. I think it's up to 20 and a half now, which I'm still okay with. I, my personal feeling here is the middle of the field should be attackable for the 49ers. And I think Kittle can eat whenever these corners are out there kind of locking down on Ayuk and Debo that Kittle just kind of runs and does his thing over the middle. It was weird when I went and looked. I think under the radar because you have these guys, with such they're so explosive in Ayuk and Debo. Longs in the game for Kittle over the course of the season. He had a 29-yarder, a 38-yarder, a 28-yarder, a 34-yarder, a 66-yarder, 24, 32, 44, 35, 58, 32, and 28. He got over this long catch 12 times in 18 games. So that's how I went ahead and attacked the receivers. Uh, I think Kittle over the middle ends up. Oh, look at that. Kittle over the middle. Ah, I didn't even plan that out. Ah, I didn't even plan that out. That's I mean, why they yeah. pay you the big bucks, Woo! man. Kittle over the middle. I didn't even I didn't even plan that out. That just happened. That was natural, guys. You just saw a natural reaction right there. Uh, so that's the receiving bet that's in the account for me. I, I think that he kind of gets behind these linebackers one time and um, – gets gets that over the uh the 20 yard reception so that's that's where i'm at what say you i like where your head's at on kittle one of our freelance writers jeffrey schreiber made great points about if you're going to bet kittle overs despite the toe injury concerns just bet the alts because there were 10 games where he had 60 plus yards this year you can get around plus 160 for that he had eight games with 70 plus receiving yards that's plus 230 Six games with 80 yards, that's plus 350. Four games with 90 yards, that's about five to one odds. Three games with 100 yards, that's about six and a half to one odds. So, yeah, if you're not concerned about the toe injury, I would not just play the basic line on George Kittle. And, you know, I was listening to Brian Baldinger this week. He does obviously a great job breaking down tape. And he doesn't seem as concerned about Legereus need on Brandon Ayuk because the Niners run so much pre-snap motion that they might be able to shake Ayuk free of that coverage. And also just because he's one of the great route runners in the NFL. So he seems to think Ayuk's going to have a better game than most people think right now because of the matchup on paper with Sneed. So that's interesting to me. And then, you know, obviously on the Chiefs side, we've talked about this for a couple of weeks. They have, they have hyper-focused the volume in the passing game to their two best weapons, Rice and Kelsey. They've just stopped giving volume to the other guys and said, if we're going to win, if we're going to lose, we're going to go down with a lot of targets for Rice and Kelsey. Now, to Adam's point, I, Mo and I have been talking about this a lot. You know, We've had a lot of conversations because he's a Chiefs fan. I'm a Niners fan. Mo Nawara at thelines.com. And we both had the same thought that Adam had because Pacheco is not really the outside zone rushing guy, so maybe they do use Hardman. Because the last time Hardman faced the 49ers, he had two rushes for two touchdowns against San Francisco last season in week seven at San Francisco. But he also had the really brutal fumble through the end zone in the divisional round against Buffalo and then was stapled to the bench and only played one offensive snap in the AFC championship game. So 
I'm keeping my eye on the inactives here on Sunday. I don't know if Kadarius Tony is going to be activated or not. If he is, maybe he's the gadget guy in an anytime touchdown or over rushing yards prop if one even exists on him at that point. But like Adam, I we've saw the same thing. Like it's probably not Pacheco, and maybe it is one of these other receivers that are getting some runs to the outside. I'd rather have Tony Danza than Kandarius Tony playing for the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. No way, man. Like, I, and maybe they put him in. I don't know, but Kadarius Tony gives me even more heartburn than yeah, Michael Hartman. I'm, I'm just hoping the inactives make it an easy decision on who, right? Because like, clearly, it doesn't look like McKinnon's going to get activated. If Tony's inactive, then like, literally, the only other option would be Hardman, right? So then, it, then it's easy to at least figure out who it might be if they do it. Yeah, throwing, like, you know, again, from an actual reception standpoint, they're like throwing darts on some of these per periphery guys. Like, I just don't like doing that. Juwan Jennings had more than two catches in three games all season long. Yeah. Like, if, if, if you want to play an MVS, so <laughs> MVS had one or two catches, one or two in 15 of the 19 games. He had three catches once, and he had zero three times. That's just who MVS is. He is like, he is not a volume guy whatsoever. So if you want to play him, his longest catch prop is 13 and a half yards. Just play that. Don't play his reception total. Like just play his longest reception at 13 and a half yards. His, his, all his catch, he only catches one ball a game, but he has 34, 37, 46, 32, 32, 29. It's like, that's all he does. So, I mean, if you actually want to play a prop, he's only going to catch one ball. Don't, don't play the, play over the, the 13 and a half on his longest reception. Cause that's, that's all there is for, for MVS. MVS, man versus success. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like. There it is. Like, I mean, just, just that's, the, that's the bet to make if you want to play. Matt, I'll, I'll take it one further. I was kind of exploring some, you know, negative correlation, same game parlays on MVS. You can get under one and a half catches with 25 plus receiving yards at 12 to one. You can get under one and a half catches and 40 plus receiving yards at 32 to one. So, like, those that's, are, those are good that's pretty smart. That's pretty smart. Those are good bets. He has one or two in 15 of 19 games. I mean, like, literally, he's, his ceiling is two catches, right? I mean, like, that is what we're looking at here. Um, all right, just uh, we'll do a little fun one here, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with all the bets that are in our account. Uh, Adam, purple, yellow, orange, blue, and red are the Gatorade colors that uh, for, the first, <laughs> for, the first, for the first tub to be dumped on the winning coach – What's the best flavor of, of, of Gatorade and why is it um, and why is it uh, red? It's Glacier Cherry. Uh, that's oh. really not at all debatable, although I will give a little shout that's out clear, to though, uh, Cucumber white, Lime. Right? It is white. That's, yeah. Oh, so that would. OK, then that's actually yeah. um, that's that's much longer. The uh, the odds on that. that's 10 to one. I suppose all those yeah. all those other ones are like yeah. three and a half or less. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think uh, I I think. Uh, I think big Gatorade is going to be out there trying to fool everybody on this one, right? I think we're going to be totally shocked at what we get. I think we're going to see that maybe there are multiple Gatorade colors in multiple different bins, right? It doesn't matter which one they pick up. It doesn't matter which one comes out first. These are the things that I want to know. This, there's been movement in this market, funny enough. I mean, it's, it's like crazy. Oh, my God. Like, 
Red red was plus three fifty. Red is down to plus two seventy five. Purple plus two fifty. Red plus two seventy five. Yellow green three to one. Orange three to one. Blue three and a half to one. Clear is ten to one. And then no Gatorade bath because yeah, that happened a few years ago to Bill Belichick. Remember that? Like he was like, yeah, yeah. don't pour anything on me or whatever. So that's sixteen to one. Um, Stephen, if we're handicapping this, the reason purple is the favorite is because there are actually two. Oh, Big time so flavors so in Gatorade that are both purple, grape and Riptide Rush. So that's why that's why it's the 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 favorite. What say you when it comes to um to, yeah, to Gatorade? But I, I talked to Christian Cipollini, the trading manager over at BetMGM earlier this week, and they said they can't get a bet on purple, the favorite. Everybody's taking long shots in the Gatorade, and there's at least documented evidence if you Google Chiefs Gatorade color that. <laughs> He, they've, he's actually been doused with orange once. So my conspiracy theory is how often is the team going to change its Gatorade order to a different flavor every year? Does, so it's, does, I, is Gatorade, like, does Gatorade have its marketing VP behind a wall of security this week? Like, are sharp <laughs> syndicates trying to find a way to talk to someone high up in Gatorade to be like, hey, you know, it could be a little cut for you if you tell me what color. I mean, listen, it's not a massive move, but like going from plus 350 to plus 275 on red, like, what do they know? There's, there, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> is there something there? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, I mean, why is there movement? Why is there that much movement on red? Although red is the best flavor of Gator. What, All right, what's Adam. Usher's first song going to be, by the way? What's Usher's first song going to be? Is it Yeah? Uh, Are we going OMG? Oh yeah! Oh my God! Are you guys not Usher fans? Is that I, what I've just discovered? No, I right actually, now? I saw the Usher show not that long ago, and I don't even remember what he opened with. I like Usher. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I like Usher. Bieber's definitely going to come out there and like do a do a duo with him, right? Like, Dude, our, so you can't bet these in most states in America. But our freelancer Evan Scrimshaw did an article because he's in Ontario, and like, there's five guests that are negative money line right now like apparently every friend usher has ever had is coming out to the halftime well, show because they're all minus prices oh you want a little information here i'll give you a little information i don't know if this is a number that's there but i will tell you the night that i saw the usher show in las vegas janelle monet just happened to be in the crowd and he went out there and did like two numbers with her in the crowd so if you want to go for one of those like name your own bet things i've already seen it happen there it is. The <laughs> i I, I have information that the Bieber will be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Now, whether the Biebs actually is there to do something with Usher, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, Adam, let's, uh, let's wrap things up here with all the bets that are in your account currently and ones that you're leaning towards probably putting in there by the time this thing kicks off on Sunday. So I, I talked about this a little bit on the, on the five bets podcast. If you're going to do anything side and total, the only thing I like is over. However, I don't like it as much as I like some other bets. Christian McCaffrey right now. This is my favorite bet on the board. Find the best number you can. I saw plus 245 to score two plus touchdowns in the game. Guys, he did it in 39% of games this year. And if it's still at plus 245, you're implying a 28% chance. If I can get an 11% edge on that bet, I think that's as good as it gets when it comes to how the 49ers include Christian McCaffrey in this offense. I also think you can take a shot on him at 7-1 to one on uh, most receptions in the game. I like a long shot 
on Debo Samuel to be the leading rusher in the game at 40 to 1. And I like it for this reason. He only needs one or two carries to pop something big to be able to get to that. And I like it at better than two and a half percent of the time. Uh, I also like, if you want something a little different, I also like last score in the game to be by the team that wins the game. No, at plus 165, because I do think with the amount of scoring that could happen in this game, you easily could see a team up by two scores. The other team gets the ball, gets a score to cut it to one score, and then the other team runs a six or seven minute drive to end the game. Steven, what are all the bets in your account? What are you leaning towards adding here as we approach Sunday? Bets I have not already mentioned on the show. Chiefs team total over 23 and a half. Both teams to score at least 20 points, minus 110. Therefore, if you've listened to all my arguments and you still think the 49ers are going to win this game, I think it is highly correlated with the over in this game. So I would think about parlaying Niners money line with the over in this one based on my belief that the Chiefs will at least score some points. Longest field goal in the game will be by Kansas City. This has gotten ballooned out a little bit. It's minus 130. The simple handicap here is Jake Moody is a frightened little rookie, and I wouldn't trust him on a long field goal in the Super Bowl. I also then, have that, just to throw, go ahead and throw that in there, I also have that one in, in my account as well. Um, Butker, just for everyone, Butker was 94% on the season. He was 12 for 12 on field goals 40 yards or longer, 5 for 5 on kicks of 50 yards or longer, and they also lined him up from 60 this year, and he hit that one as well. So, like, they're not afraid to throw him out there from 60, and most likely they're not going to be doing that with with Moody. So I also have that one in the account. And although the playoffs have shown us something a little different, at least during the regular season, Kyle Shanahan was far more likely to go for it on fourth down when he was supposed to than Andy Reid has over the course of the season. So maybe it's different in the playoffs. We'll see. I'm against Adam here on Debo Samuel. He's taking an outlier, big, long shot. I certainly understand it. He could have one carry for 40-plus yards or take one to the house. I get it. But this is not the same Debo Samuel usage in the running game that we've seen in years past. So if Christian McCaffrey is healthy... I think it's mostly Debo in the passing game, so I've bet under 16.5 rushing yards, although I am on an island here. Most of the market has been steaming this up on the other side, so keep that in mind. Also on the Pacheco over rushing yards, he's averaging more than 21 carries a game over the last four games. He's a clear bell cow back. Doesn't look like McKinnon's coming back. Um, what else here? Rashi Rice over 65.5 receiving yards based on the fact that the Niners are top five in the league this year in zone coverage rate. So I also don't think that Charvarius Ward is going to follow Rashi Rice. It took them getting down 17 points for freaking Steve Wilkes to change the game plan against Detroit defensively. This is a primarily zone team. I think Rice avoids the top cornerback for the 49ers. Taylor Swift theme prop. You belong with Rashi. That's Taylor. That's uh, Travis Kelsey or Rashi Rice to score first half touchdown. Found that over at a couple of different books at plus 120. And the last one I'll mention, I know Patrick Mahomes hasn't been sacked much, but against a good pressure unit of the Ravens, they still got to him twice in that game. I've died. I've spelled out all the different ways that they have issues on the offensive line potentially here. Plus prices on three of the four starting 49ers defensive linemen to have more than a quarter sack. So if they get a half sack, they get credit for this. Really good plus prices here on Kinlaw, on Armstead, and also Chase Young here, as long as the Chiefs don't hold on every single play like they uh, have been doing a lot this year. I think those are good prices. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> 49ers fan doesn't like the holding. Like we said, I'm on Pacheco over. I'm on Pacheco most rush yards in the game. I have uh, interception props for both quarterbacks, but in the opposite direction. I have yes for Purdy. I have no for Mahomes. The handicap for Mahomes is the fact that they just don't, he just doesn't have the personnel to throw highly interceptable balls. I mean, it, most of the, if you look at the interceptions at the beginning of the season, if you look, you're like, wait, he threw a ton of interceptions. Go back and look how many of those just doinked off a dude's hands. And like, that's why they ended up as interceptions. It's not because Patrick Mahomes was putting the ball in danger. It's because the, re- the uh, receivers were absolutely horrible. So outside Tony of taking Danza. the, yeah, outside of, outside of taking the couple of shots to MVS per game, he's pretty conservative with the ball. So I, I have the under, on uh, interceptions for him. Like I said, the Kittle over 20 and a half uh, longest reception. I also have the under 27 and a half longest kickoff return. I just told you how much I like Butker. Butker has a near 90% touchback rate as it is anyway. They're going to be kicking indoors in perfect conditions. And also, my guess is you have a talk with your kick returner and go, you know what? Let's just take the 25 yards. Let, let's not take a chance on fumbling this friggin' thing yeah. and like whatever. Fair catch the damn thing. Take it yeah. to 25. Yeah. Like, like let, let's not, let's not give the other team a freebie here. You know, like let's just take the 25 and go out there and, and run our offense. And so I took the under 27 and a half for longest kickoff return. I also took uh, Purdy over rushing yards. We already talked about this. Chiefs play a ton of man coverage. When you play a ton of man, you turn your back to the quarterback. Also, they get a ton of pressure. If the pressure doesn't get home, that also creates running lanes for guys. And like we've seen, Purdy has been more than happy to take off running here in the playoffs. And I think that that's not going to change in the Super Bowl. If he can go get up, if he can go pick up six, seven, eight yards, I think he's going to do it. It's only 11 and a half. We got to get to 12. So feel pretty good about that one as well. But guys, this is uh, maybe a couple unders get added between now and Sunday. If that's the case, you can check us out over at the Discord. I'll put those in there. I'm always, I'm going to wait and see if these anything gets ballooned up just too much, and then I would be coming in on the under on that side of things. But feel pretty good about the portfolio that I've got in there right now and feel pretty good about a lot of the handicaps that we have. And you can always get in the discussion over on thelines.com, upper right-hand corner of that Discord. We are talking about it all the way up until kickoff. Hell, we'll be talking about it through kickoff and into the game. As we go, everything we do, absolutely free. So if you have not already, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section what's your favorite bet for the Super Bowl. What are you on? What bet? What did we say on the over the course of this podcast you think we're complete idiots about? Let us know in the comment section as well. We do appreciate that. Guys, for the final time, at least for the regular NFL season, we'll talk some NFL draft, of course, whenever that rolls around. But for the final time, for Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Super Bowl bets.